0: Auto Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Seren. Welcome to the broadcast. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Thank you for your ears. And wherever you are, my wish for you is that you are safe and dry and warm and well-fed. Well, the uh, 62nd Annual Bilderberg Meeting uh, uh, as wrapped up in the uh, at the Marriott Hotel in Copenhagen, Denmark. And the annual gathering of the world's most powerful, influential movers and shakers from the world of industry, finance, the rural houses of Europe, science, technology, media moguls, uh, reportedly discussed a number of very sensitive issues behind closed doors, away from any media scrutiny, including, of course, you can imagine what would be on the list, Ukraine, Syria, intelligence gathering, Iran, the Middle East, and uh, perhaps most importantly, how to derail a global political awakening that threatens to hinder the Bilderberg's long-standing agenda to centralize power into one world political federation. So, let me see who uh, attended this year's uh, Bilderberg meeting. Let's see, we have a list here from... Oh, let's look at the the Canadian attend, shall we? This is always quite interesting. Since I are a Canadian, we had uh, Edmund Clark, group president and CEO of the TD Bank Group. Uh, Let's see, we had Brian Ferguson, president and CEO of... Sinova's Energy. We had uh, Jason Kenny, the Minister of Employment and Social Development, the federal government. Heather Monroe Bloom, Professor of Medicine and Principal Emeritus at McGill University. So you see a number of, uh, they come from all walks, right? Uh, we had the, uh, the Governor of the Bank of Canada was there. And I'm seeing who else. Let's see. Oh, of course, uh, Heather Reisman chair and CEO of Indigo, Bank, or Indigo Books and Music, uh, she's a regular attendee. The Bilderbergs, uh, so what were they talking about? Well, you know, who knows for sure, but I, I guarantee you, they weren't playing canasta uh, behind closed doors. Well, there's another a gathering you might like to know about, and this one isn't uh, secret, it's not sinister, uh, but it is a, a group of very interesting individuals, touring across Canada. It started uh, in Halifax earlier this month or earlier last month rather and uh, I think it was May 25th. They began their Modern Knowledge Tour, Canadian Alternative Information Tour. Uh, started in Halifax and they're working their way westward to Vancouver and uh, they're coming to Toronto. Lots of great speakers, great venues and uh, I believe they're just uh, getting ready to depart from Ottawa and uh, we had... Linda Moulton Howe, we had um, our next guest, in fact, Michael Tellinger, is uh, part of that tour, and he's joining us here tonight. Author, scientist, explorer, has become a, a real-life Indiana Jones, making groundbreaking discoveries about ancient, vanished civilizations at the southern tip of Africa. He's the author of Ubuntu, Contributionism. And uh, also, I talked to him years ago about this, uh, this book, Slave Species to God, He's also the author of African Temples of the African Gods. His continued efforts um, and scientific approach have produced stunning new evidence that will force us to rethink our origins and perhaps even rewrite our history books. Michael Tellinger, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you?
1: Excellent, Richard. Nice to be talking to you. Uh,
0: so the, uh, the, the lineup that's coming to Toronto as part of the uh, Modern Knowledge Tour, it's, uh, who, who's coming here?
1: A uh, Good question. <laughs> I've been so thick in the mix of things that I haven't even uh, figured out who's coming up in and, and, and the next stop. So I'm going to have to consult Dave here. I know it's myself and Richard Dolan.
0: That's right. And is, it, and is it Linda Moulton Howe? And
1: Linda Moulton Howe. Yes,
0: right, that's yeah. right. And uh, you're in Ottawa now. And um, uh, what sorts of uh, reaction are you getting uh, to, to your particular uh, content?
1: Well, you know, I, I I don't want to sound like I'm boasting, but but it's just actually it's overwhelming to the extent that it almost reduces you to tears with the, the response that people are uh, the way people are responding, specifically to the to the message of Ubuntu contributionism, because everyone seems to be so downtrodden and so at the end of their tether and pushed right to the edge with what's going on and. Pretty much all our lives, everyone seems to be fighting a battle of some sort. And uh, and when people are presented with real opportunities, a real solution that they know in their hearts is not just more hot air being blown up their skirt. Something that is plausible, that is achievable, and that is very, very exciting for humanity. It it changes the way you think. It changes your energy. So the response is, is uh, just absolutely overwhelming.
0: Well, let's let's delve into that a little bit. What do you mean by Ubuntu contributionalism?
1: Well, that's really the subject of my new book that you mentioned, and it presents a new alternative to the money-driven, capitalistic society that we've all become familiar with, and the system, the social structure that has caused so much misery and hardship in our lives, and and for not just for hundreds of years, but thousands of years, uh, taking control of people's lives and allowed governments to. to to pretty much enslave their people, and uh, Ubuntu contributionism presents um, uh, solutions and a new social structure for humanity that um, removes money from the system and replaces it with cooperation as opposed to uh, competition. But people will work towards the greater benefit of all the people in their community.
0: Where does that leave things like the nation state? I mean, do you do you foresee sort of a, a world federation?
1: Not necessarily. We, we believe that people should be left alone to govern themselves. Uh, it is not a simple subject, obviously. It, the answers are very simple. But to get to the simple answers, one has to go through a process of uh, simple step-by-step chronological realizations as to, why our world is so screwed up? Who's in charge, and what happens when you remove those control systems, and how things will change? And obviously, the major control system on this planet is money, and the, the banking families that control this whole planet and, and uh, everything that goes around.
0: Did you see? Is is capitalism at fault, or is it uh, is it? I mean, cronyism, where, for example, you have certain. Uh, elite groups that are working in concert with governments, uh, which is really sort of the definition of fascism, where you have this, uh, you know, we hear this term bandied about a lot, which is the private public partnership. Yeah. Uh, which is, 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 to my mind, uh, that's the root of fascism. But, but it's not capitalism necessarily that, that's the culprit because, you know, capitalism has done a wonderful job at creating wealth. Um, so it's not necessarily the free markets that are, I think, that are to blame for where we are now. It's it's fascism. It's corporate fascism.
1: Well, I, I have to disagree with you there. I believe it's, it's everything and anything that's touched by money uh, and the simple fact that we have this thing called money in our lives and in, in, on this planet that causes the problem. The moment you start using money in any form uh, of, of uh, um, exchange, it eventually leads to some sort of control. Uh, and because of the private money that is uh, that is being imposed on our people, remember that all our private banks, uh, virtually all the private banks—I don't know which ones are at the moment no longer private—but all the, the, the Rothschild, Rockefeller-controlled central banks of the world, which includes obviously the, all the banks you can imagine, including the South African Reserve Bank, which I've been up against in my own country. <laughs> so uh, the fact that the, that these private banks, the central banks, are Dictating economic and financial policy to their respective governments and are not touchable, are untouchable by the laws of those countries uh, is obviously a problem. And uh, this cannot continue.
0: So well, yeah. I mean, I, I agree that the, that the the monetary system that we have is is definitely messed up where you have money that's created out of thin air. Yeah. Uh, it's backed by, by nothing. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, I don't know. How, how would you feel about going back to a, to a system where money was backed by something intrinsic like gold? That
1: just causes more problems. It's just you know the the more you evaluate this and you break it down, this is why I had to write a book about it because. You know, what is happening here already, you're showing resistance to the concept of removing money from the system for the reason that we have all been led to believe that money is inextricably connected to the origins of humankind or the evolution of human consciousness and the path that brought us here where we are today. That is not true. Money was maliciously introduced into human society thousands of years ago purely for one reason only – and that's as a tool of control for no other reason, not to benefit humanity, as a tool of control. And um, this goes back to the Sumerian times, the Sumerian texts that clearly tell us, you know, when kingdom was lowered to earth from heaven and the first priest kings were appointed to rule over the people, one of the first things they did was invented money as a tool of control. And, uh, and these the first forms of money are clay tablets that we find in Sumerian. Clay tablets that are actually tokens of exchange or, or uh, 4,000 and 6,000-year-old bills of exchange written in clay tablets, and you realize that these same initial royal banking bloodlines still run the world today. Uh, And every now and then, people wrench that power away from them. You know, like Thomas Jefferson was a a great proponent of... um, of, of getting the money away from the private bankers, The whole uh, American Revolution was inextricably connected to the people trying to uh, provide money for the people by the people. But every time that happened, the political control and the, mon- the political muscle by the international bankers um, worked their way into the government and parliament and overthrew those, those uh, people's banks that were actually providing more equity and, and uh, distribution of wealth among the people. So what it tells us is that as long as we have money in our lives, uh, we're going to encounter problems. The moment you remove money from the system, everything changes virtually immediately. And you remove the obstacle and the hurdle to progress that prevents people from reaching their goals, from doing what they want to do doing what they love to do. Money always gets in the way.
0: Michael Tellinger is with us, the author of Ubuntu Contributionalism, uh, along with Slave Species to God and African Temples of the African Gods. And Michael is part of this Modern Knowledge Tour making its way across uh, Canada. They started in Halifax May 25th. They're coming to uh, Toronto. We'll give you some more details about that. Uh, I'll also give you the website for the Modern uh, Knowledge Tour site so that you can uh, get some details for yourself. Uh, We'll... um, uh, delve further into Ubuntu contributionalism, and then time permitting, uh, Michael, I'd like to dial back to, uh, your earlier book, which really deals with the origin, uh, the origins of, of humankind, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, why we're here and, and how we were created, and, uh, you know, what our, you know, who was sort of, uh, our, who are our over, overlords were, and what, uh, you know, what they had in mind for us. It's a fascinating, a fascinating uh, alternative origin for our species. We'll get to all of that and more, plus your phone calls. Here on The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Different
1: views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard
0: Serrett. Michael Tellinger is with us and he is part of the uh, Modern Knowledge uh, Tour. And the Modern Knowledge 2014 Tour rolls into Toronto uh, Thursday, June the 5th. There's a guest dinner. And uh, that's followed by uh, a speaker conference Friday, June the 6th at the Ontario Science Centre. And for more information, www.modernknowledge2014.com. www.modernknowledge2014.com. Speakers include Michael Tellinger, the aforementioned, and of course our good friend uh, UFO historian Richard Dolan and Linda Moulton-Howe, Emmy Award-winning uh, documentary filmmaker and, of course, uh, a regular on uh, Coast to Coast. Uh, incidentally, I'll be hosting Coast to Coast Saturday, June the 7th. All right, uh, Michael, we were talking about um, uh, Ubuntu um, uh, contributionalism, which is this concept, a, a world without money. Uh, paint me a picture. How would the world operate without money? Could we still have commerce?
1: No, we're not going to have commerce. We're going to uh, no longer have commerce in the sense we know it today, we, everything changes, you know. When you take money out of the system, just go through the process, and this is what I always ask people to do. Instead of going into shock and going, you know, knee-jerk reaction as to like, because this is what normally happens, you know, when you suggest the world without money to people. The first thing that happens is they go into a little panic mode and shock, like, oh, what do you mean? Uh, like things I just did. Like I yeah, just did. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I just calm people down and say, hold on, just... Start thinking what's going to happen in a world without money where things happen for the right reasons, not for the wrong reasons. Instead of chasing money and spending two hours in the traffic every morning and two hours in the traffic every evening, you actually live in a community of your choice and not community by force through socioeconomic circumstances. And you do what you love to do for the community because... That is what the community actually rewards you for and embraces you for and respects you for and acknowledges you for. But it's, it's, it's actually a process to get from a money-driven society to a, a society that works without money. You, we can't go there from in one leap, from zero to hero. So it goes through a sequence of, of demonetizing the system and allowing people to experience the, the incredible freedom and abundance that comes we're, first of all, working in cooperation, cooperating in our communities to help and work with each other for the benefit of everyone, rather than competing for the benefit of one at the expense of many. Because that's what ultimately what happens with corporates and corporation structures. Um, so a world without money creates abundance on every possible level you can imagine, from the supply of food to technology to art and culture to ho- housing to recreation – the abundance that gets created when you remove money is is actually very difficult for us to try and imagine in a, the current capitalist structure that we find ourselves in.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, what about what if I don't want to throw my lot in with the group? I mean, I I I I got to be honest. I'll lay my cards on the table. I'm a rugged individualist. I believe yeah. in the individual. I, I, the group is a fiction. I mean, you know, you can't hug a forest. You can hug an individual tree. The, yeah. the group to me is a fiction that's been it's, – it's one of those elements of control where they say, well, you know, you as an individual, we have to uh, we have to limit your rights because the, the greater good here is the group. But there is no group. There's only a group. There are only individuals.
1: <laughs> well, this is beautiful. What you're asking is one of the frequently asked questions, Richard, and this is what I've found over the last ten years. I've, I've broken down thousands and thousands of these questions from people that I've faced, and ultimately it comes down to about 13 questions, 13 most frequently asked questions. Now, that is the best feedback and, and information I can give you. It means we've got to solve 13 problems and we can live in utopia. And that's a word that you know, is used with great reservation by people. They say, oh, you, that's just a utopian idea, suggesting that people should always suffer and people should live in misery, and utopia is something we'll never achieve. Well, I don't believe that, and I believe millions of people don't believe that either. And what you suggested is like you know, the, the group thing. That you, what you're suggesting is, once again, it's based on a response as, which is a fear-driven response. You assume that by creating a community that cooperates and works together, you're removing the individualism. In fact, that is not the case at all. You're doing exactly the opposite when you remove the money from the system. You're allowing people the ultimate freedom to be as individual as they could possibly imagine to be, more individual than you could have ever imagined in your life. However, what we do as individuals contributes towards the benefit of everybody else. It's not a one-to-one exchange. It's a one-to-many exchange that we start to engage in. So that whether you're a rocket scientist, uh, a, you know, a, a farmer, or a shoemaker, or some, anything else you can imagine, uh, you are contributing towards the benefit of everyone, not just towards one or two other people. Uh, it is. This is why I had to write a book about this, to take you on a journey to unravel the poison and the damaged minds uh, that we have from capitalism and thousands of years of being poisoned by the the money and capitalistic system and replacing it with thinking completely freely about what we would do and how our society would function if you remove money from the system. It's a beautiful journey. It is one of the most exciting things that will happen to you. What I can tell you as well is this, and what I, this is what I normally use in my presentations, to, to explain to people is that only out of um, unity can you get infinite diversity. So your fear of being all clones and all doing the same thing and looking the same or re, you know, reduced to doing the, behaving the same way, that is, that is just a fear, a knee-jerk reaction. Because out of unity, unity allows you infinite diversity. And you can look at your body, your own human body is a perfect example every organ in your body works together with the other organs in your body the cells in your body work individually There are trillions of cells in your body that are individual cells that do perform specific functions that are very unique and yet they all work together united in harmony for the benefit of your body and this is how you can start looking at your immediate family your extended family your community People being very much individuals and yet working together for the greatest benefit for their own good and which also benefits the whole community.
0: I guess part of that fear for me um, uh, uh, stems from, you know, I'm, what I'm hearing. I guess are echoes of, of uh, let's say Karl Marx, from each according to his ability to each according to his need, and that scares me.
1: Yeah, this is not this is not what it is at all got absolutely nothing to do with marxism communism fascism no other system in world history has ever done this because every other system is always unfortunately being controlled by money and this is where everything changes everything changes think about the consequences of removing money from the system all your listeners will know one of the first things that's going to happen is the energy will change Energy, the supply of electricity and petroleum will change instantly because now no longer will designers and inventors and scientists that have created alternative electricity and energy supplies will be limited. No longer will they be threatened, murdered, and tortured and their inventions hidden from sight. Suddenly, the inventions that are free energy devices and alternative energy will come sprouting like green grass on a, on a spring day and... Uh, Thousands of devices will suddenly be made available. So, And from that moment on, the way that our society operates with free energy devices changes in the blink of an eye. And everything about our existence is based on energy and changes from that. So the way we work, where we live, how we travel, where we live, how we live, what industry we start, what mining we do, all that stuff changes immediately, starting with that one simple concept of changing the way we use energy and what energy supply we utilize. It goes to the suppression of alternative medication and healing, which is suppressed because of money and greed by pharmaceutical companies, so they keep milking the human population for money. The moment you remove money from the system, the suppression of alternative healing and the cure for all disease that has been hidden for humanity for more than 100 years now, that also disappears, and suddenly new alternative healing modalities come out, and people really start seeing the benefits of removing money from the system very, very
0: quickly. Well, the free energy uh, uh, thing is, is fascinating, and I know that you're, you're, you're touring with uh, with Richard Dolan, who's been on the program many times, and, 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 and Richard t- describes uh, this group of elites which constitute a separate civilization because of the technology that they have. I mean, these... These groups, these individuals, rather, have more money than God. So, to me, I mean, for them, it's not even about the money anymore. No, it's about wanting to keep this technology for themselves. They could be living off-world for all we know. I mean, yes. So, I mean, if because for them, it's not, it's no longer about money.
1: No, and that's Richard. That's exactly what it is. And and this takes a while to actually sink in for many people. It's not about the money. There is no money. The banking families make money out of thin air. You know, people, get this into your heads. There is no money. There is only control. It's about the control. And the money is the tool that has been introduced to humanity as the tool of control for these elite families to keep every one of us enslaved. And, uh, and obviously, this goes back a long, long time. This is not something that happened in the last few Centuries. This goes back thousands, and actually hundreds of thousands of years.
0: Well, that's, I guess, where, where we should head next, and, and that is the origin of the human family, the origin of, of um, uh, human, the human species. And um, yeah. uh, I, I guess to a certain extent, you uh, you were a, um, how should I say, uh, a subscriber uh, of Zachariah Sitchin and, and the the, uh, the 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 belief that. The Anunnaki, this alien civilization, uh, really sort of kick started human civilization, correct?
1: That's right. Um, and uh, what was interesting is that, uh, you know, it's not only Zachariah Sitchin's um, translations, but there are other translations uh, that are not necessarily Sitchin's translations that have, um, and I'm talking about the Sumerian texts here now, that have got some profound knowledge and information that can be connected to uh, the origins of humankind, the very murky and mysterious ancient times uh, that um, just don't make any sense today. And, um, and most importantly, uh, what, what happened next was that um, I discovered the physical evidence of what Zachariah Sitchin was writing about and, ex- uh, and you know, expanding on, in great detail in his books, I, I, f- I found the physical evidence in Southern Africa of this vast, vanished, gold-mining civilization that I write about in Adam's calendar and Temples of the African Gods.
0: Well, we're going to head into a break here in, momentarily, but let's just begin this conversation. First, just uh, for those not familiar with, with uh, the Sumerian creation legend, if you will, uh, and the role of this alien civilization called the Anunnaki, just give us a very brief timeline of, of what what these cuneiform, these Sumerian cuneiforms supposedly said?
1: Well, uh, Sitchin um, claims that um, the translations that he's made that these Anunnaki uh, gods and you know you can read this on various websites and various uh, translations that have been made. Go and do your own research so you can get a broader perspective of this. But they talk about the Anunnaki gods or the Anunnaki, the gods of heaven and earth, these beings that came from another planet Came to Earth uh, many hundreds of thousands of years ago, uh, somewhere between 400 and 500,000 years ago, and they came here, and it seems that they were either looking for gold or they found gold and they became obsessed with gold, and um, this is where human gold obsession comes from, comes from the anuna gods, and um, and they they started mining the gold uh, in in large quantities and. Uh, then needed help to mine more gold. And it's at that point that they decided to clone a new species as a slave species, and therefore the title of my book, Slave Species of God, or Slave Species of the Gods. And uh, they cloned a species which eventually becomes the human race. Um, and this is our, our murky origins and our arrival on this planet. Um, the fact that our DNA has been messed with and more and more geneticists that are, that are experts in this field have come out and and stated openly that our DNA doesn't make any sense that large parts of our DNA is of an alien origin and and that there's actually evidence that our DNA has been spliced and manipulated and and, uh, one of those people if you want to go check out his work is William Brown he's probably the most brightest shining light in molecular biology and genetics right now and uh, so the evidence is there that our DNA is, is very peculiar and very strange and that we truly are a cloned species.
0: So uh, the the Anunnaki arrived here, uh, and they found some sort of archaic uh, human genus, I guess, whether it was Homo habilis or Homo erectus, Homo erectus or whatever, and and yeah. decided to conduct some gene- genetic splicing uh, in order to improve what they found, and and, um, and have this and created this new race, yeah. with Homo sapien
1: that's right uh, that's uh, that's what it seems to be, and this is why we suddenly make our appearance with no missing link to be found anywhere uh, and obviously that's a huge problem you know for this for those that believe in in, in evolution from from apes and 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 so forth uh, the missing link problem is a huge problem obviously in in, in that argument
0: all right we'll uh, take a time out. Michael tellinger is with us, the author of Ubuntu contributionism and also slave species to God he's part of the Modern Knowledge Tour which is coming to Toronto June 5th and 6th at the Ontario Science Centre more information and details modernknowledge2014.com back with more of the Conspiracy Show stay with us
1: Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett.
0: Welcome back. Michael Tellinger is with us, and uh, he is part of the Modern Knowledge Tour that rolls into Toronto uh, this Thursday, Friday, June 5th and 6th, and uh, they'll be uh, speaking at uh, the Ontario Science Centre. Michael, along with Richard Dolan and uh, Linda Moulton Howe, uh, Modern Knowledge Tour. Uh, let me get you the website here again. Modern Knowledge. 2014.com for more information. Uh, Michael, we were talking about the um, the Anunnaki conducting this genetic uh, experiment, really to create uh, to create humankind. Uh, if you could, I mean, is there are there hints of that contained in the Book of Genesis, for example? Well,
1: of course they are. The, you know, first of all, what <clears throat> what we need to point out to people is that the opening statement of the Bible is is not correct according to the original Hebrew texts because the all Hebrew texts, uh, sacred texts, must begin with the letter Aleph, the first letter of the alphabet. That's how it's structured. It's all a mathematical um, process and everything is very, very accurate. So all sacred, beginning sacred texts start with the first letter of the alphabet, Aleph. The opening phrase of the Bible does not start with Aleph. and when you replace, or when you put Aleph in there, this is a discovery made by Michal Ledwitz, actually, who was a, an advisor to the, to the Pope uh, for about 17 years at the Vatican and a scholar of the highest order, theologian, and, and his knowledge is absolutely un, unbelievable. It's a walking encyclopedia in the field of theology and ancient human history and, and the Bible, specifically. And uh, when he inserted the, the first uh, letter of the alphabet, um, suddenly the opening phrase of the Bible no longer says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but it says, the father of the beginnings created the Elohim, the heavens and the earth. And that changes everything, because it brings the opening statement of the Bible into sync with pretty much all other ancient civilizations and their creation stories and creation myths, and uh, gives Pay to, or more more uh, understanding to this thing called the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or God said, Let there be light. So we're dealing with sound and light as the primary sources of everything in creation. It's a spectacular introduction to quantum physics, the uh, first three phrases of the Bible. And, um, and, uh, and then it continues to obviously talk about the Elohim. So we suddenly realize that the Elohim is not the God or the Creator in the Bible, but the, that the Elohim is firstly a plural for the gods or, or some other beings, group of beings. And uh, and often I believe, and many people seem to believe the same thing, is that the biblical Elohim are actually the Anunnaki. There is a lot of deception going here. We, we, for the sake of keeping the discussion short and to the point, this is a huge debate. Um, the issue of the Anunnaki in human history, on the history of our planet, in our solar system, in our galaxy, and also in the entire universe as we know it. The issue and the influence of the Anunnaki is beyond our current level of understanding. And and the Bible is full of it. Obviously, we also read about the sons of the gods who came down to earth and saw the daughters of man and took them as wives and had children with them. And we read about the giants, the Nephilim, and the the gibberum and the zumsumum and the emmim, all these titanic races that used to exist in the ancient times and
0: men of renown yes e- exactly the greek so, pantheon of gods
1: yeah so you know richard the the, the thing is that the this, the history of this planet is a very exciting whirlpool of activities that we are we are little infants of z- virtually zero knowledge of what really happened we're clutching at straws and picking up teeny weeny bits of information, trying to make sense of it. And we catch a strand, and suddenly it, it lights up a whole area of information because we've managed to put a few pieces of the puzzle together. We can start making out a piece of a face or a piece of a body you know, in your puzzle. And we get excited about that, not realizing that it's only a tiny fragment of what was really going on.
0: So uh, in this in this new this narrative uh, that you're offering up uh, I mean ab- above and beyond the anunnaki is there room for an all supreme god a creator who created the anunnaki before he created before the anunnaki uh, created us I mean is is Of course of there, course okay. there
1: is. yeah and and this is really where spirituality comes in as opposed to modern popular religion and when you start studying this stuff it becomes very obvious that there is a, some sort of primordial field of consciousness the unity consciousness field the the universal or the the primordial resonance and and the 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 morphogenetic field that comes out of this primordial source of consciousness which could be called God the creator the creative force of all things that imbues everything with a consciousness and the intelligence that comes out of that consciousness so absolutely everything in creation comes from the same source including the Anunnaki and including us including everything else that's ever existed and that exists now in all dimensions not just the dimensions that we can perceive but in many other dimensions and this is what makes things even more exciting and where gold in human history starts to play a very very important role because of the multiple dimensions that gold can exist in
0: well I've always considered myself to be a bit of a gold bug and I guess maybe now I know why (laughs) right, we'll come back Michael Tellinger is with us part of the Modern Knowledge Tour you're listening to The Conspiracy Show my name is Richard Serrett stay with us Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, The Conspiracy Show, with Richard Serrett. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740. Welcome back. Michael Tellinger stays with us. Author, scientist, explorer, kind of a real-life Indiana Jones, and he's part of the Modern Knowledge Tour, making its way into Toronto, uh, later this week, Thursday, Friday, June 5th and 6th. And uh, the author of Ubuntu Contributionalism, and also Slave Species to God and African Temples, of the uh, African gods, uh, let's get back to the uh, the Anunnaki, and and how are we? Because you are, it's interesting. You're traveling with uh, Richard Dolan. Both of you speaking. I'm sure you've spent some time, uh, you know, talking about uh, comparing uh, myths and so forth, uh, shop talk, if you will. Uh, yeah. How does the how does the modern uh, UFO phenomenon, as we understand it, including the alien abduction phenomenon and and uh, uh, the UFO you know disclosure movement, the truth embargo. How does that all fit into your alternative origin of 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 the human species in connection to the Anunnaki? I know it's a big question, but
1: yeah, well, the simple answer to that is it, it fits perfectly because you know the this this Earth this planet has been visited by. People from other planets for millions of years not just thousands of years but millions of years possibly billions of years because we got to remember you know every time we find a, a, a you know a very distant past activity we realize that it actually gets a lot bigger so this is why i said uh, earlier that the effect and the influence of the anunnaki on our planet and our solar system and our galaxy and even on the whole universe as we know it is much larger than most of us could imagine to the point that we start actually you've got to start thinking about anunnaki most likely as multi-dimensional beings with a complete and utter um... grasp of the laws of nature that can manipulate nature that can transmutate and dematerialize and and move into other dimensions and so forth and and this becomes a very interesting prospect about their obsession with the physical form and their obsession with gold and how gold was uh... was utilized by them but the to come back to your question and, and Richard Dolan's research into UFO phenomenon and the mysteries of of visitations and disclosure and all that, I mean th- that's the biggest question in, in human history. That connects. Uh, that that also actually deals with the origins of humankind. Because once you start telling people that humans are actually clones for an advanced race of uh, you know beings from outer space, uh, that that obviously blows the whole you know, alien visitation and, and disclosure wide open.
0: Well, how much, uh, how much uh, uh, am I Anunnaki and how much am I human?
1: Well, it's a difficult question to, to answer, but the fact that we only use 3% of our DNA um, or possibly less, and that is now changing because there's overwhelming evidence that our DNA has been activated and, and it's probably got everything to do with the, the crossing of the galactic equator during the 2012 uh, event. The prophecy where our solar system moved through the galactic equator and um all those uh, all, all those energies in in, in the equator started to activate our so-called junk dna the the 97 percent of apparently useless dna well i believe that that is really the dna that is the, the 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 good stuff that that has got all the amazing abilities encoded in it and that we are waking up into becoming more Conscious becoming more telepathic, becoming more connected to the universal field of consciousness, and so forth. So, uh, I think um, that there is a lot of Anunnaki blood and of DNA in our in our body and in our system. Uh, how much exactly, I can't tell you, but based on the the reports of several um, and and uh, ongoing reports from geneticists that are studying this and molecular biologists. Tell us, large parts of our DNA are of an alien, of an alien origin. They're not of this earth.
0: If the uh, I'm trying to remember the, uh, the, the sort of the Sumerian uh, creation myth and, and and the role of these primitive humans in mining this gold. And if I, if I'm not mistaken, it had to do with the the atmosphere on the Anunnaki's home planet consisted uh, of gold, uh, yeah. which is and their planet was dying. That's why they needed the gold. So once they got what they needed, um, why why don't they just leave leave us the hell alone and go back to their home planet?
1: Yeah, this is really where I think some of the translations uh, were probably misinterpreted. And this is where Sitchin got some of the interpretations wrong, uh, but he gave us the best he could. Um, and I'm no longer a believer that the the gold was used, as Sitchin says, and you know he says it was ground to the finest powder and suspended in the in the heavens around their planet to pr- protect the planet against cosmic rays and and deadly rays that were destroying the planet. I think that's where the deception and and possibly the translation uh, misinterpretation happens. Um, I'm now more of the the opinion that. It was a, a very conscious thing that the Anunnaki were doing with the gold, and not crushing it into fine powder or nanoparticles of gold, which is also quite an interesting possibility, because uh, incidentally, when you you know when you when you um, mix nano gold nanoparticles of gold with synthetic DNA, you create pretty much a cybergenetic organism uh, that that is virtually conscious and you can program it to do certain things and it takes on a crystalline structure and it is indestructible. Um, it's it's incredible, uh, incredible stuff that our current scientists have been doing that very few people are aware of um, that, that you can actually create synthetic DNA and mix it with gold, nano gold and you create this instru- indestructible material that every time you tear it or break it, it just re- it fixes itself. <laughs> like the Terminator kind of thing, but uh, I'm I'm digressing. So that's possible that that could have been done. But uh, the 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 gold issue is far more complex than than nanoparticles of gold as we know it or gold bars, the yellow sort of heavy shiny gold as we know it. And it all goes back to a much more uh, uh, mysterious form of gold, and that's the, na- the the monoatomic form of gold or the white powder of gold as you know, and the the manna from heaven and the and, and so forth, which uh, seems to have been the obsession of the Anunnaki and the gods, the ancient gods, the Anunnaki, and, and possibly other beings as well that were visiting at the same time and possibly trying to wrestle the gold from the Anunnaki. Who knows? There were all these wars between various gods and and that could have been a, a power struggle for the gold on this planet between various ET groups and, and visitors. But the, the monoatomic form of gold has, has got some very interesting properties. First of all, it, uh, it defies gravity uh, it, it's, it's not metallic at all like we think of gold uh, it's a very fluffy kind of powder and, and it will it will react and it will bind with, with other uh, substances like uh, um, chloride, like sodium chloride, you can get aurite, um, um and, uh, and so forth, so it creates, it creates crystalline substances that is completely devoid of any metallic properties and it defies gravity as well, and it seems to suggest, and this is from the, the, the research and, and the lengthy discussions I've had with uh, David Hudson, who's done ex- incredible research and experiments with the MIT guys um, in the USA on the nano gold, but none of this material has been printed because, uh, unfortunately, MIT and these scientific institutions cannot print this kind of information for all kinds of reasons that they throw in your face. Um, what the, the the interesting research that i found is the following that between seven hundred and eight hundred degrees Celsius the <clears throat> white powder of gold starts to disappear from sight hmm. and by eight hundred degrees it is gone It's vanished and this is what i referred to earlier about gold being able to exist in different dimensions so what has happened here is that the nano form of gold sorry the monatomic form of gold the white powder of gold Vanishes from this dimension and moves into another dimension by exposing it to temperature, which is just higher energy, higher frequency, higher vibration. And at this higher vibration, it moves into a different dimension, out of sight. Uh, When David Hudson describes it, they actually uh, took a little brush in the in the uh, sealed inert tube that they had this this nano uh, this uh, monoatomic gold in, and they actually brushed the little pan. Uh, just because they thought maybe we just can't see the, the white powder, the pile of you know b- white powder. Maybe it's there, but it's just invisible. So they brushed the pan to dis- try and disperse it, but that didn't help. When they reversed the, the process and they dropped the temperature, the gold started to reappear until it all came back perfectly where it was before it disappeared.
0: Remarkable. So, that sounds like the uh, sort of the origin of the legends of alchemy.
1: Exactly. This is, and this is, you know, when, when I tell people in my workshops and my presentations that, uh, that the mystery schools start with these first priest kings that we learn about in the Sumerian texts, in the, in the king's list of the Sumerian tablets, and they're not just one, there's several kings. List, and fascinating, and several of them actually tell us exactly the same stories, tell us exactly about the same number of ancient kings that ruled the world Eight kings that they actually mentioned by name, where they ruled, and the fact that they ruled for more than 220,000 years. Two separate clay tablets called the king's list giving us exactly the same information. Uh, and that sort of excludes the probability factor that these guys were making it up.
0: We're well, just, just about out of time, Michael, but yeah. I, I, I just want to um, ask you about the um, where this is all sort of heading. Like, if... if we were created as a slave race uh, are we still living on some sort of a prison planet where the anunnaki at some level are still in control
1: well many people will say yes to that and i'm i tend to be to, to to think that that there's a lot of truth in that because the draconian control and brutal uh, abuse of the of humanity of the people on this earth of living breathing human beings the corporatization the inhumane treatment of human of people is so far removed from human nature human nature which is loving caring sharing uh, creating and not destroying it seems to be of an alien origin that has been imposed on humanity and the same gods the Anunnaki that we find the vengeful gods in the Old Testament are still here controlling this planet and are still obsessed with gold because the gold seems to be disappearing off this planet. As you and your listeners will know, there's not much gold on this planet. Everyone's looking for their gold and they can't find it. Um, so they're probably still removing the gold off this planet. This is a big subject, obviously. And, and now we find ourselves at the crossroads. And this is why the book Ubuntu Contributionism, A Blueprint for Human Prosperity, plays such an important role in people's lives right now. And why they get so excited about this. Because it truly presents real plausible solutions how to help humanity to remove ourselves and free ourselves from this corporate draconian control that has been imposed on humanity by the banking royal bloodlines that have been controlling humanity for thousands of years through money as the tool of enslavement.
0: Well, uh, people will be able to uh, to find out more about this when you roll into Toronto later this week, Thursday and uh, Friday. June 5th and 6th, the Toronto Modern Knowledge 2014 tour venue will be the Ontario Science Centre, and uh, more information can be found at modernknowledge2014.com. Really appreciate your time uh, tonight, Michael.
1: Richard, thank you. been great talking to you, and and thanks for having me on your show.
0: My pleasure. Thank you,
1: Michael Tellinger.
0: All right. uh, Listen, back uh, next week with another program, the great, legendary Jim Mars. Will be in the house. Uh, my thanks to uh, Damien doing yeoman's duty, sitting in for my regular producer Tim Spreen. Not sure where Tim is, taking a well-deserved sabbatical. I mean, you uh, you sit in on this program uh, week after week after week, and the information that's imparted does a number on you. I mean, I tell you, I've gone through four or five producers since I've I've started this program here uh, at Zoomer Radio. Uh, so anyway. Damien, appreciate it. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing hidden, nothing revealed that won't be concealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known, What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.